Aloha, I'm Evan Leong from BrainGain Hawaii, and welcome to the Save Hawaii Jobs and Businesses webinar for September 23, 2020. Today we'll cover the 10 million in grants from the CARES Act. This is part of the Workforce Development and Training Program from the State of Hawaii Department of Business, Economic Development, and Tourism, also known as DBET. There are two tracks we will discuss today called Aloha Connects Innovation and Kupu Aina Core. Please let me introduce our team for today. We have Dennis Ling, who is the Business and Industry Development Administrator for the State of Hawaii DBET. Kavika Riley is the Director of Strategic Partnerships and Government Relations from the nonprofit Kupu. Omar Sultan is the CEO of Sultan Ventures. Stacy Katakura is the CEO of Accumulus and will be monitoring the Q&A box. Buddy Leong is the Executive Director of Virtual Student Experiences and handles our communications backend and chat box. Questions will be taken during this webinar through the Q&A module only. If you post in the chat box, it won't be answered. Please upload questions in the Q&A module and we will do our best to answer them live. Let's start with Dennis Ling. Aloha, thank you, Evan. Sorry about that. Um, my name is Dennis Ling. I'm the uh, administrator for the uh, Business Development and Support Division of DBID. And the, uh, the training and workforce development program that was established by the state was funded with a $10 million CARES Act fund uh, appropriated by the uh, legislature and authorized by the governor. Uh, this program will support Hawaii's economy by providing businesses with workers who have been displaced in its uh, current economic crisis and help our workers gain experience that will hopefully lead to a rewarding career in the future. The program will match up to 650 displaced workers with companies in emerging industries and sectors such as conservation, renewable energy, agriculture, aerospace, entrepreneurship, and uh, STEM fields. Uh, DBED was very fortunate to uh, have contracted with KUPU, a conservation and youth education nonprofit, and also the nonprofit Economic Development Alliance of Hawaii also called EDA, to implement the Workforce Development and Training Program. The two tracks to this initiative are uh, the program run by KUPU called KUPU Aina Corps, and one run by EDA under the name Aloha Connects Innovation. The program will last approximately two and a half to three months and end on December 15th. The uh, pay for uh, the uh, workers will be between $13 to $15 plus an hour, plus medical insurance. That's a brief overview of the program. I'll turn it over to uh, Kavika Riley to talk about the uh, Aloha Aina Corps program, and also to Omar Selton to talk about the uh, Aloha Connects Innovation Program. Thank you. Mahalo, Dennis. Uh, mahalo also, Evan, for hosting this, and mahalo nui to everybody who um, tuned in to give us the opportunity to talk with you about this important program and the role that we hope to play uh, in helping people who um, really are struggling right now and hopefully to um, contribute to the long-term resilience of, of Hawaii's economy and Hawaii's communities. Uh, as mentioned, I'm Kubika um, and I'm with Kupu. Kupu is a, a youth-oriented conservation nonprofit and for well over a decade, we've been running programs that identify uh, young people, uh, youth and young adults, and um, place them with conservation organizations across 
uh, the state of Hawaii where they're able to um, get you know development uh, within themselves learn uh, things about the growing conservation and natural resource industry uh, and then also you know earn some benefits along the way now when we saw this opportunity to partner with DBET we thought that it was a good fit and really exciting for us because it was an opportunity for us to take the things that we had already been doing for, for quite some time and then apply them towards the crisis and towards the areas where people are struggling right now. Uh, so that's essentially what we're striving to do through the Kupu Aina Corps. It's gonna provide hundreds of these um, jobs in uh, the green collar industry that Dennis mentioned. Uh, and it's gonna do it in a way that's gonna provide a paycheck, health insurance, and access to both on-the-job training and other types of training opportunities for the participants. Um, it's also an extra bonus that with the green collar industry, which is a growing uh, a field in Hawaii, contributing over half a billion dollars annually to Hawaii's economy, these are jobs where you don't have to choose between economic benefits and environmental benefits. We can contribute to both Hawaii's economy and to Hawaii's environment at the same time. Uh, that's really the overview for us, except to say that you know, these are a lot of different positions. Um, a lot of things fall under what you would consider a green collar job, ranging from uh, invasive species removal and planting of native trees to things that are either more scientific or administrative in nature. I guess the bottom line is that if you're part of one of the eligible populations, a displaced worker, a recent high school graduate, or a recent college graduate, and you would like to earn a paycheck right now um, while helping the environment, I bet there's something for you with the Kupu Aina Corps. Uh, so with that, uh, uh, we'd love to take your questions, but before, uh, I'm gonna hand it over to Omar Sultan to talk about another important aspect of this partnership, the Aloha Connects Innovation. Mahalo Kavika, mahalo Dennis for being such an awesome, uh, <laughs> individual and group DBET to work with for this program. Uh, DBET, as has been mentioned, is the one that is responsible for deploying funds for this program and making it all possible. Um, so I'm, I'm Omar Sultan with Sultan Ventures, uh, talking on behalf of EDA today, so the Economic Development Alliance of Hawaii. Um, their mission is to perpetuate shared prosperity the island way. So how can we have our citizens thrive in an environment where social, economic, and environment, environmental values are balanced? Um, Aloha Connects Innovation is, is this new initiative, as we're all talking about, that wants to nurture and grow knowledge-based work opportunities here in Hawaii and fuel our emerging industries and innovation sectors. Part of the original vision is how can we serve all of these displaced workers that have lost their jobs or that have been severely impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, and how can we take them, malama them, and provide them with new career opportunities, right? So how can we help place them in emerging sectors, in more resilient sectors, and so that we can all uh, together build back better and help you know, create a vision of, um, or create a reality, I should say, of what we want Hawaii to look like moving forward. Um, I don't, I don't speak much, so I'd rather engage with you folks in, in conversation. So if you have questions, we see a couple that are coming through. Uh, we'd love to, uh, we'd love to participate in that sort of fashion. 
Okay, so I can I can take some of the Q and A and toss it back to you. I think the first one um, is what happens after the program ends on December fifteenth. What's the follow up so workers can continue upskilling? Will the companies continue to get employment subsidies to incentivize them to continue um, providing employment opportunities? I think that's a good one for you, for you Omar, if you want to take it. Or Kavika. Sure. Yeah, so uh, the program does end on December 15th. It starts now. <laughs> so um, thank you for all joining and, and helping to get the word out. There's been several hundred individuals that have already applied to both programs and several hundred companies that have already applied to both programs. Uh, Kavi can, can talk about what Kupu is doing. On the EDA side, the, the, uh, the idea and the goal is that as these, as these on-the-job learning opportunities occur, some of these companies can provide further sort of employment beyond the December 15th. This program has funding because it's using the CARES Act funding, which needs to be expended by the end of the year. It is using that funding to help sort of launch this platform and these pathway opportunities. Yeah, very similar for, for Kupu. Um, and as Omar mentioned, because this is CARES funded, uh, it was important for this partnership to focus on how those funds can be used to respond um, to the emergency that's in front of us, right? So that's what's designed here. But uh, we do hope that one of the byproducts, one of the added benefits of this is that it contributes to uh, long-term strengthening of Hawaii's economy. Um, certainly, uh, we also looked for ways for us to structure uh, these job, these short-term job opportunities for our participants in ways that will benefit them for the long term. Uh, so that's where you see the focus on on-the-job training, skill building uh, through the work that they do, as well as skill building and training through partnerships with uh, the University of Hawaii and other, other partners that are going to be offering trainings and uh, certifications. Those are things, those skills, that job experience, uh, the trainings and the credentialing that'll come from that. These are all things that the individuals will carry with them into uh, well beyond when this program ends. Uh, we also hope that you know, because of how so many of the organizations that are going to be receiving um, you know, the, the employees for Kupu Ainakor and, and for the programs Omar talks about, these are organizations with either a primary or you know, a secondary but still very important focus on contributing to Hawaii's community. So the work that they're doing is also uh, work where you should see a long-term impact that goes beyond uh, the end of the CARES program. Another question that came up is what types of companies qualify? Omar, do you wanna take that? Sure. Um, so for, for Ida, the, the, the companies that will qualify are the ones that are in non-tourism dependent uh, sectors, so like non-service industry, non-tourism, non-hospitality, things where that are um, innovation-based and where we all, I think, can collectively agree uh, that are, are emerging industries and more resilient uh, so that we're not dependent upon, you know, visitors arriving in Hawaii to drive the economy. For Kupu, the focus is on what you would consider to be um, conservation or natural resource management and then agriculture. So what folks commonly think of as um, the green uh, uh, economy or green collar jobs. Thank you. Uh, and then next, uh, next question, how are the host companies selected and will they re be reimbursed for additional training? 
Uh, Omar? Sure. I, I, I don't always have to go first. <laughs> um, so on the EDA side, host companies are selected based on uh, two sort of buckets, right? Technical requirements uh, that we have to meet since it is using federal monies and it is a state-run program. Uh, and the second thing is alignment with the spirit and objective of the, of the program, right? So uh, sort of a, a gut check is, are these host companies in emerging industries? Are they in non-tourism dependent uh, sectors? You know, are the positions that they're offering able to um, help build a more resilient Hawaii? Are the host companies, are the, the people that are associated with the host companies able to provide the time to spend doing on the job training, right? So that uh, the individual, these displaced workers who want to learn new, new skill sets that have the opportunity to get reskilled, upskilled, cross skilled, uh, skilled, skilled, I mean, you name it, right? So that they can uh, be uh, much more uh, well rounded in the types of opportunities that they can pursue moving forward. I think Omar really captured it there. Uh, the only thing that, that I would add from, um, and I, I think this is true for both of us, um, but especially for Kupu because so many of the, of the Kupu Aina Corps jobs are going to be people working uh, with and on Aina, right? There's, there's a matchmaking that breaks down to the regional level, right? So uh, it's about what it, for any given region where you have certain people who um, you know, can only drive within their district or especially for smaller islands, people who need to stay um, in their communities. It's all, we also have to look at the matchmaking in terms of what's available from one community to the other. Um, you know, that and, and certainly, like Omar said, um, we want to look at companies who have the capacity and who have the drive to not only provide uh, this as a developmental and training opportunity for its members, but also uh, I think it's important to um, identify the groups that have a long-term vision for um, the impact that this, their participation in this program is going to have on their community. And I think there's a second element to that question about the, um, whether the employers will get reimbursed for the certifications and the training. So there is a, a co compensation component for the host companies to get reimbursed for their time spent um, with on the, on the job trading programs, as well as a reimbursement for training and certification programs such as OSHA. Uh, that was kind of specifically uh, mentioned. Um, I know we're also providing some, um, we've, on the EDA side, we've partnered with Microsoft to be able to, to um, roll out some, some uh, Microsoft uh, Office 365 training to our participants as well. Um, did you wanna add anything to that, Kavika, about the training um, component? Sure, thank you. Uh, we're gonna be partnering with the University of Hawaii to provide a number of trainings and certifications that are a mix of um, you know, upskilling that is specific to uh, either agriculture, natural resource management, or green collar work generally, and then also more general types of trainings and certifications that um, will help these individuals in the work that they're going to be doing, uh, but you know, are, are more broadly applicable. Um, so we'll be working through that partnership. We'll be providing uh, reimbursement for a, a small allowance of other types of expenses that the employer will will incur. Um, you know, but but certainly, you know, there there may be cases where um, you know that doesn't cover a hundred percent of what the company uh, wants to offer. Um, but you know, with the limited funds that we have, we have, we're doing the best that we can.
Thank you. There's a couple of questions that are related. Uh, where do we find the list of participating employers um, and how do I register for a possible job, uh, list of job opportunities? And we'll, we'll be sending out links to all the, web, uh, the webinar participants after this um, to, to the websites where you can um, uh, apply. But uh, do you guys wanna um, address that as well? Kavika, you can go first. Yeah, um, you know, so the, the host sites, the, the future employing companies and the participants uh, are being considered at the same time. Um, you know, this is, this is a unique type of response and speed is critical. We didn't want to lose some number of weeks of being able to provide uh, paychecks and other benefits to people while we did the, the host site or employing company selection first. So these things are happening simultaneously, which is why the, the matchmaking element that I mentioned earlier is an important aspect of this. Um, so, you know, if an individual wants to take a look at uh, information about eligibility, uh, the, the average or starting salary for the different positions, the type of work that they're going to be doing for kupu, they can go to www.kupuhawaii.org uh, backslash Inacor, or they can just go to our homepage and we've got a banner right up at the very top that says uh, kupu Inacor is live, apply here, they can click on it and it will take them where they need to go. Omar, do you want to add to that? Um, for the EDA side, similarly, go to the EDA's website, E-D-A-H-A-W-A-I-I.org, EDAHawaii.org. Um, and you can see different ways to engage um, both as an individual and as a potential company. I neglected to mention that EDA is comprised of the various economic development boards. So. As, as Dennis mentioned, this is a statewide program and it was very important on the EDA side and Kupu feels the same exact way uh, that um, there, were there was representation across all of the counties and across all of the islands. So um, if you think that this might not be for you or this is Oahu centric, I just wanna dispel those um, sort of notions. This is statewide and there's um, many representatives from the various counties that are supporting the program and deeply integrated and involved. Next question uh, from Jessica. The construction industry would likely be able to place these Aloha Connects workers in entry-level jobs after December 15th cutoff. They will need safety and other required courses prior to starting on day one, however. Can this be a part of the entry requirement into the program to put these workers into the job on day one? Are there any, fun any funds set aside for this to ensure safety? Yes. <laughs> so there, there are definitely training opportunities available. And um, the way that DBIT has helped structure the program is that there is funding to support the training opportunities. And that was exactly one of the sort of the core components of the program, um, the program's vision, right, is that uh, many times we hear these individuals can't like they don't have access, they don't have equity and access to these opportunities. And so how can we provide them with that same sort of uh, potential um, if they've never had this background, if they've never had these trainings, right? And so um, we built that into the program. I mean, to really put it simply, right? So uh, we tried as much as possible to scaffold it in a way that provides these on-ramps and provides uh, equ equitable pathways for everybody. I, I think the only, uh, the only qualifier that I'd add to that is that because of um, the restrictions or the, spe the specificity um, in how CARES, CARES Act funds has to be used. 
um, it's essential that any of the, the training or certifications uh, be things that the individual is going to be applying to the work that they're doing as part of one of these two programs. Um, so, you know, we, if, if we're able to provide, as I, as I talked a little bit about and Omar talked about it too, if we're able to provide uh, training and skills building that later is, as a byproduct, able to benefit um, individuals and in the jobs that they have afterwards. That's a great thing, uh, but we can't do it just for that reason. The trainings and certifications need to be tied to the work that the individual is going to be doing during their participation at this time. Uh, but hopefully, uh, you know, we definitely would love to see and, and hope to see um, things like that happening down the line where individuals are able to get training that's going to help them after this program. Thank you. So the next question, how are interns selected for each organization or business? I'll start that one off. You know, in a lot of ways, um, many of the sort of at the 30,000 foot view, it's very similar to what Omar and I talked about when um, somebody asked that question about how host sites are selected. Uh, we have to make sure, first of all, that uh, these individuals fall into one of the eligible populations. This, because of its CARES Act funding, is something that is for um, members of our community who have been displaced by the COVID economy. So we're looking at, at folks who've lost their jobs due to the pandemic, for people who um, have lost income, for people who have sought work and been unable to get it uh, because of this national health emergency. If you fall into uh, that category and you're either a displaced worker, recent high school graduate or recent college graduate, then you meet that basic eligibility um, that, that, that I'm describing here. From there, um, and we have two different application processes because it's two different programs, but I think uh, for Omar and, 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 and I both, um, our organizations, we've set up an uh, online application process where every applicant can go through a number of questions. They can identify what parts of uh, these emerging industries are most appealing to them, what types of work are most interesting to them. They can upload their resume. They, an they can answer questions where they can share about their skills that they're already bringing, um, their interest in developing other types of skills, and then areas where they would like to work and types of jobs that they would like to work in. We take all of this data along with all of the other data from the, the host companies, um, and, and we do that, that matchmaking that we mentioned. Omar, did you, did you want to um, add to that? Sure. Um, I mean, the program foundationally is, is the same, right? You have two different tracks that are being run, one conservation focused, uh, which is, is more encompassing than just conservation sound, sounds, and an innovation one, which is more comprehensive than just innovation sounds, right? So, but at the core, both programs are, are trying to accomplish the same thing. And so how interns are selected are more or less very, very similar. Uh, on the EDA side, um, so that was, my, that was my preface of saying like, it might sound repetitive because it's the same program, right? You just have two different organizations running two different tracks. On the EDA side, the interns are selected um, based on the host company positions, right? So as you imagine, host companies have different needs, have different types of cultural or, or um, uh, fits 
that are required at their organizations. And so they will be selecting the participants based on who matches most closely with the needs that they have, the team that they have, and the opportunity that is presented to uh, presented through this program. I just want to add that um, I know both uh, the Kupu side and the Ida side um, are both using Ultras as their uh, professional employer organization. So um, tied to that is their job application, their application tracking system um, called, uh, and I think you can find the job postings at realjobshawaii.com. Uh, so uh, that's kind of your entry point into um, into applying, and and I think um, we don't have a lot of at least on the ADA side we don't have a lot lot of job postings live yet because we're still in the process of, of um, enrolling all the host companies. Um, so if you want to submit your um, your name for interest, I think you can do do so at the edahawaii.org site. Um, let me see. Uh, next question: What kind of what kinds of education will be offered to workers prior to entering these programs? Um, imagine that jobs in both resilient and emerging sectors require some training. So the, it'll be it'll be a mix, uh, depending on the nature of the position and the the training or skills that each individual participant brings to their time in the program. Um, so you're, what, what does that mean? You're going to have, in some cases, a training or certification that needs to happen first before the individual starts their work, right? We don't want somebody uh, using a chainsaw if they don't know how. Um, so that would be an example of where you need to get the training first. But there are many other circumstances where the training is important uh, and, and directly uh, connected to the work and the quality of work they're doing but they can, they can do it simultaneously uh, while doing their work. So, uh, you know, University of Hawaii uh, Community Colleges, which as I mentioned, we're partnering with um, for well before the pandemic, they've been trying to, to make sure that as much as possible, they're innovative in how um, they offer trainings and opportunities for uh, adult learners, uh, people who work full-time, people who work full-time plus have kids, right? Um, and, and there are a number of uh, opportunities that they've already set up for things like that. So um, we'll be partnering with them in, in different cases, either to provide training on the upfront before work starts or to do it simultaneously uh, while the individual is earning a paycheck through our program. So what is the actual cutoff date to start? Um, it said 9.15 is the deadline, but still accepting applications. Um, so there's no cutoff date for the application. We're, um, we're gonna be um, accepting applications through, I think, until we can't, until we can't take any more jobs. Um, so um, I don't know if you guys wanna add anything to that. Yes, all that I would add to that is, um, and. Uh, Omar, please jump in if this is different for, um, for Ida, but for Kupu, we really would encourage folks, if you're hearing this and you're hearing it live, hey, even if you're not, um, time is important. Uh, we are going to do our first batch of reviews um, in, in a matter of days where we start to do that selection and that matching. Um, so what's great is that if you're hearing this live right now it means that you're hearing this before that first review is done and everybody who has applied up to this point those hundreds of individuals uh for kupu and for and uh 
for, for either of the programs has an equal opportunity. Um, so I would encourage you, if you're hearing this live and you, you think this might be something for you, this might be something for a, a loved one, a family member, please reach out to them and encourage them to take a look or apply yourself uh, and you'll have an equal opportunity to get considered. But you know, very, very soon, we're going to have to do that first round of matching. Um, and because there's so much need for this type of uh, opportunity, this type of program, we expect that the positions will fill very fast. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I would add that um, you know, speed of execution as with all things is important as as we've mentioned a couple times now the cares funding has to be used before the end of the year um the ledge actually approved up to 36 million dollars for this program um, we are rolling out the first 10 million if you will uh based on demand and need and you know the speed as as to which all of this happens there is a possibility that more funding might be released you know it's not a guarantee we're still working with everyone um, to see if that's even possible. But the faster that we can place people, the better, if for no other reason, which is to serve the core um, function of this program, is to help displaced workers, right? The sooner we can get displaced workers into jobs and trained, the longer that they have you know, full-time, part-time wages covered for them and their health benefits, and of course, get that on-the-job training to help create this more positive trajectory for them uh, moving forward. So there was a question that's kind of related to that um, in the chat. That it says that this is looking to employ uh, 650 folks statewide. Is there a amount per island? Um, I don't think there's a limit per island, um, but right now there is um, with the fund with the $10 million of funding, it is um, 650 positions. And as Omar said, um, you know, I think if we can get uh, if we can ex execute this uh, quickly and, and employ as many, you know, the 650, there's an opportunity to, to expand that to um, be able to reach more folks. I can add to that, Stacey. Uh, I, I, speaking for, for Kupu, um, I'm going to use a word and it's going to sound like jargon, but it's an important principle for us, and that is geographic equity. Uh, so one of the things that we're looking at is um, we look at, you know, based on 2019 uh, U.S. Census projections, how Hawaii's uh, pop state population breaks down into the various counties and into the various islands. And one of our goals um, at, at, at Kupu in order to provide geographic equity is to place individuals within range of, of, how, of where each of those respective islands fall in terms of how much of the state's population that they make up. So it's certainly not the only factor. As we've already mentioned, there are a number of other things that we have to look at, but uh, geographic equity is a very important thing to us because we wanna make sure that this isn't something that leaves any community behind. Uh, that's the opposite of what we intend to do here. Sorry about that. This is a question that um, is, might be of interest to some of the businesses that are listening, but how much are the host companies being compensated? I think it might be different for each side, so maybe, um, Omar, do you want to take that first? Sure. Um, part, of, part of the structural framework for this was how can we also support um, and recognize the, the uh, the contribution that the host companies are making by providing space for these displaced workers to learn new skill sets. So on the EDA side, um, 
they will be compensated on a per month per participant basis of $800. And for Kupu, uh, it, it's similar. Um, off the top of my head, I believe it's $700. Um, and then, of course, there's the added benefit of, of that, that worker or those workers um, being part of, of that organization, which hopefully, so ideally, what we would love to see as much as possible is that, and we've mentioned this before, right? We know this is a short-term program. We have to innovate within the constraints of how CARES Act funding works. But as much as possible, we wanna see long-term impact. Um, so you know, it, it's great to envision a future for these organizations where you know, certainly these opportunities may start out with the participants just working short-term, but they're gonna be invested in. They're gonna have the chance to really learn about this job, they're going to have the chance to be exposed to what it's like to do this work and work in this organization. They're going to get to take other types of training that are going to enrich their human capital um, and their productivity as a worker. And we hope that as many of these organizations as possible take a hard creative look at keeping these individuals on after the deadline passes for CARES Act funding. Thank you. Just answer the next question that I was going to ask. Um, would the displaced worker become our employee, paid on our payroll, and treated as our employee? Uh, or are they altruist interns? And is there an obligation to hire? We are the... Go, go ahead, Omar. Um, yes, they are altruist uh, employees. The co-employer would be either the Kupu track or Ida on record. Um, there is no obligation to... Um, to hire the participant once the program ends. We hope that if there is a good fit and you have the, you know, if your economics as a business is able to support that individual staying on, that you would do so. Again, though the program was designed that um, it's meant to be uh, a platform for future growth, right? So if and when there is more funding opportunities, it could, you know, it could flow into the program and the program can continue to grow beyond the end of the year. Also 100% correct for Kubu. And uh, you know, I think it's, it's neat to imagine a time where these individuals grow into uh, perhaps becoming managers, other types of leaders at your organization. Uh, and I think that if that becomes the case long-term, it's a wonderful story about the values uh, of your organization um, and your contribution. If years from now, every time that that leader tells the story about how they ended up at your uh, your company or your nonprofit or your farm, uh, the story comes back to this and on how you are willing to take a chance on them and invest in them during this time of crisis for our community. So the next question is kind of a specific question, but I think it might apply to um, in general to other companies that are considering. Uh, we are a, a language service provider working in medical institutes. So does that mean we do not qualify since we are not a green company? I'm guessing because you, there was the green company part of that, it um, is a question for Kubu. Uh, what I would say to that person is take a look, go to our website, take a look at the FAQs. Um, and see if based on the description of what a natural resource company is, what an agriculture company is, um, all of the language is there, right? If, if you do work in conservation, but you also do language translation, um, you know, you do work in conservation, right? Uh, however, if your work is not in um, 
agriculture or natural resource management, um, then you know it, it doesn't align with the focus of the Kupu Aina Corps. However, perhaps you do something in healthcare related fields, if I was hearing part of that question uh, correctly, and that could tie into something that might be available um, with the program that Omar's talking about. Yep, I agree. Um, healthcare is definitely an emerging sector. It's definitely a resilient sector. Uh, so if you're in that space, it does sound like EDA, uh, the, the EDA track um, might be better aligned with what you're talking about, but I encourage you to visit both programs and, and see for yourself which is a, which might be a, a better fit. And you're free and to talk to both. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, just to add to that, uh, if there are questions that, uh, that we can't answer and we point to the website, if you look there and, and it's still not clear, uh, for both of our organizations, we have contact information provided on our website that's gonna connect back to a real person who can talk with you. So if you at any point feel like you're not getting the information that you need to decide whether or not you can participate or whether you wanna participate in this, please let us know and we'll get back to you. The next question actually might help um, uh, be an add-on to that, your answers there, but um, can you share some of the current host company names? For Kupu, as I mentioned, we're doing the, the host site selection and the Kupu Ainakor participant selection simultaneously, uh, which means right now when we haven't selected the, uh, the KAC participants, we're also still in the process of selecting host companies. Um, however, you know, if depending on the community that you're in, if you know a conservation organization or you know a farm or other type of agriculture company uh, and you want to work for them, I would encourage you to reach out to them and make sure they know about this program because they can apply right now too. Uh, so, you know, not to flip it, right? Uh, but the short answer is that's still being worked out. But if you have an employer in, in these fields that you wanna work for in your community, I would encourage you to, to think creatively about how you can make sure that they're one of the companies that apply for this. If anyone has questions about that, they can contact us. Same, um, the, you know, the host companies are still being uh, vetted and secured. secured. Um, so all of this is being done in real time. Um, no one has been given preferential treatment. So as we said early on, it's not too late to apply. Everyone has exactly the same opportunity to be selected as a host company and to be just selected as a participant in the program. So I'm gonna combine the next two questions. Um, are you looking for additional companies to participate? I know the answer is yes. Um, and are there specific qualifiers for participating businesses? I'm the Go ahead, faster Omar. on the buzzer this time. <laughs> okay. uh, so, I'm you know, the, these are things we've kind of um, covered a little bit, right? One of the, the key elements is, is this an industry outside of tourism? Tourism is an important part of our community and our economy. We also know from what we're experiencing this year that we want to diversify our economy. Um, so with the way that this program was designed um, by our state using CARES Act money, uh, these are, are for industries and these are for types of work that are outside of the tourism economy. From there, uh, we sort of split up the Quileana between our two organizations with Kupu being focused on the green sector, meaning natural resource management and agriculture. Oh, and on the EDA side, again, it's 
to repeat non-tourism based sectors, right? So the emerging industries, innovation sectors, you know, things that are more resilient, um, things that are not dependent on just our visitors, uh, things that can help us, um, as I said earlier, like bring, bring forward the reality, this, this vision that we all have of building Hawaii back better. Um, and that is more self-sufficient, more sustainable, more prosperous. So alignment with those, alignment with that spirit is absolutely critical. And I'll just, um, I'll just speak a little bit to the fiscal side of that. Um, so uh, the host companies that we are recruiting are um, going to be asked to provide a certificate of insurance showing certain levels of insurance coverage and we can get into the details of that um, if you want to reach out to us. Um, also, um, we'll need to be able to provide a certificate of uh, vendor compliance with the state. I, I do want to add one more thing. Um, we know that demand out there is huge and we know that we can only serve, you know, a certain number of participants. In this case, you know, 650 uh, participants, uh, 350 on the EDA side, uh, roughly 300 on the Kupu side. Uh, so um, we're doing our best to meet that need. Um, no matter how many we serve to a certain degree, we will not be able to serve everyone. And so uh, applying does not necessarily mean that you will be selected, whether that's a host company or a participant. And it, you might fit all, you might check off all boxes, right? But, you know, because of budgetary um, constraints, you know, we're not able to, to meet the demand at the moment. Next question. This is a good question. Is this open to older folks who have directly affected by layoffs? Um, typically, Kupu targets the youth. Actually, yeah. can I just add one more thing on the other one? Um, and, and for that reason, especially, we're, we're seeing other ways that we can provide uh, opportunities to displaced workers. And Stacy mentioned early on on the EDA side, you know, there's those Microsoft training opportunities that are being provided for free uh, through HDDC. Uh, they have a partnership with Coursera. You can get training there. Any of the products, any of the courses that are available on Coursera are available for free till the end of the year. So we're seeing other ways that we can provide support for those that are not you know, able to be matched into this program. Um, and of course, there's the Higher Skills Academy training as well. So um, if you are a company that is able to provide training for free outside of this program and would like to partner, I don't, you know, we would love to hear from you on both tracks, right? So actually, Omar, if you can um, answer, there's a kind of a follow-up question that um, if you, do, can you um, elaborate more on the Higher Skills Academy? Because there's a question that um, just came up that what are you doing with deep learning, i.e. go alpha, go deep mind, et cetera. So maybe you can talk a little bit about um, the Higher Skills. Uh, the Higher Skills Academy training is something that Uncle Pono Shim does based on the teachings of Auntie Palahi Paki. And it's around, um, um, it's built around Aloha as a foundation and how we can have a Aloha response to um, to everything that occurs in our lives and in our in our businesses right and so how can you couple mindset with skill set because if we really want to transform Hawaii for the better if we want to build back better if we want to take this opportunity during this time to um, sort of reset reposition and and point in a in a new positive trajectory not that the old one was bad but you know there everything can be improved upon um, that's where the highest higher skills academy training 
in conjunction with the training opportunities that are available through this program, um, I think really kind of help. Thank you. And then if, um, if you wanna also answer the question I, I asked earlier about the, um, is it open to older folks who were directly affected by the layoffs? Yes, it is. Uh, so the, the, um, I appreciate that question because the uh, person who asked it is correct. Uh, Kupu is a youth-focused uh, statewide conservation nonprofit, but um, this is not limited to youth or even young adults. This is for individuals who have been displaced by uh, the COVID economy um, and, and its effects. Uh, so what we're doing is we're using the, the experience we have, the infrastructure, um, the history, the policies, and all of the rest of it that we've built over more than a decade of doing this type of short-term work statewide for young adults and youth. And then we're pivoting it towards where the crisis is right now. Um, so absolutely uh, not something that is limited just to young people. We hope that young people benefit, but they certainly won't be the only ones. Omar, do you want to add anything? Um, no, I mean, um, if you're a displaced worker, regardless of your age, if you've been positive, if that sounds terrible, if you've been impacted by COVID-19, um, then yeah, this program is, is a potential opportunity for you, right? So age does not matter. It's a great opportunity to take advantage of the training that's being provided, um, to reskill and upskill your, um, your, your toolbox, so to speak. Um, what opportunities will be available to the individuals who are not accepted in, accepted into the ACI program? Um, so I think uh, the you know the training that um, that Omar kind of mentioned the Microsoft Skills um, Academy and the Higher Skills Academy and the Microsoft training and Coursera I think those are um, training opportunities that are available to everyone that doesn't get employed through this program. Um, I think that's, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know if you guys want to add into um, if there's any other opportunities for them. I will say that um, next week, Monday, for anyone that's interested, we're actually hosting another webinar that talks about um, what other training opportunities might be possible. Um, and then, of course, acts as a as a guide, if you will, right? A lot of times when we're presented with all of these opportunities, especially for for those uh, that are, I don't know a better way to say this, right? But for those that are not as privileged as others, they see uh, like they log into Coursera, for example, they see thousands of courses and they just feel overwhelmed. They don't know how to process that or they're not uh, as adept to it. And so on Monday of the, uh, you know, this coming week on the 28th, we hope to provide a webinar um, that will sort of walk through different opportunities and we'll continue to do things like that as they as the need requires. So one of the questions I saw come up if part of the funds are, or part of the funds are from the federal government to the companies need to register with SAM and comply with requirements applicable to federal contractor and companies that receive revenue from the federal government. So the short answer to that is no, the host companies um, do not need to be registered with, um, with the federal contracting system. Um, as I mentioned before, they do, we, we are asking all the companies to um, produce a certificate of vendor compliance with the state um, and a certificate of insurance. 
Are you guys, uh, Kavika, is there anything else that you guys are requiring for your host companies? I think that's consistent. Uh, all of the information about that is um, uh, up on our website uh, and companies can take a look if they have questions there. If there's anything that we don't answer on our website um, and that you didn't already address, they can contact us and we can get back to them with an answer. Uh, next question, does the program pay the companies for these employees or are the companies themselves? Is it a flat rate pay that includes taxes or a flat, or a flat fee? Uh, on the EDA side, the range for pay is between $15 and $25 an hour. The pay is direct from Altres. So again, both tracks are using uh, Altres as the, their PEO. So Altres will be processing the payroll. Uh, very similar. So uh, the, the pay ranges based on uh, the, the work that the Kupu Aina Corps participant does. Uh, one of the big factors is whether they are leading a crew versus um, not being in a supervisory role. Hourly pay is going to range from $13 to $20, depending on where you fall um, in that spectrum. And, and like what, what Omar said, for both of us, um, you know, the, the, uh, the company, the host company, does not have to handle those, those uh, payroll-related aspects of having, uh, getting the benefit of that labor. We take care of that. Uh, for you if you're a host site or employing company. Okay, next question, does a tech company need to be financially affected by COVID-19 negatively? Um, if no, then uh, will DBET be able to pay 100% of the wages and medical costs of these specific employees? Do you wanna take that, Omar? I'm not sure I understand the question. So I, I, the question is, does the company itself have to uh, be negatively affected by, uh, by COVID? No. No. We're asking that the participants uh, be able to demonstrate that they were um, negatively impacted, but not the, not the host companies. And yes, uh, the, the, second part to, the second part to that question is um, the program will cover 100% of the wages and medical costs of the employees. Same, same thing for Kupu Aina Corps. Uh, we hope that one of the added benefits of this is, is the contribution that it makes to these um, emerging uh, diverse industries, but the companies themselves don't have to demonstrate um, that they've been impacted by the COVID economy. Um, they just have to make themselves available and be willing to do the work necessary to contribute to the development of um, the individuals who will be in the, the program, providing labor to them for the period of time that we're able to, to do this. Okay. I'm gonna just take a couple more questions. I think we're getting short on time, but um, can this be used for providing training to our current employees or this, is it only um, spending on displaced workers? Sorry, Thanks. Mike. My kindergartner just came in. She's on break between her virtual classes and I missed the question, Stacy. You mean your coworker? <laughs> no, no, that's my supervisor. <laughs> so the question was, can, the, can this be used for providing training to current employees or is it only for um, spending on displaced workers? This needs to be for somebody who falls into the categories that we mentioned earlier. So folks who lost work, um, lost, lost income, right, uh, and have not been able to get that worker income due to the national health emergency. 
and then fall into one of those three categories, displaced worker, recent high school graduate, or recent college graduate. Um, let me see, next. Is any marine science with conser conservation being considered? Uh, Kavika? Absolutely. And if that person who's asking the question uh, is with a marine science or uh, ocean conservation, near shore conservation, uh, or, or other type of um, either kai or vai related conservation or aquaculture organization, uh, I encourage them to apply themselves or if they know companies that they're interested in right now, I encourage them to reach out to them too. This is definitely something that's meant to include them on the Kupu Aina core side. Um, that's a big yes. Okay, thank you. Next question I think is for Omar. Uh, for the innovation funding, may nonprofit work be considered an emerging sustainable industry or is it still only for for-profit enterprises? Oh, nonprofits, for-profits, all same, same as far as we're concerned, right? I don't think the legal entity type defines um, the work that is being done, whether or not it's in the innovation or emerging sector, right? So yes, nonprofits are just as eligible as for-profits. Yeah, same, same thing for Kupu Aina Corps too. Um, and uh, it's important for people to, you know, so we've actually gotten that question before. If on the conservation side, is it just for nonprofits? The answer is no. Um, the natural resource management industry in Hawaii uh, is both includes for-profit companies and non-profit companies. Both are eligible to apply for this. And, and we hope that we have a nice mix, a diverse mix of for-profit, non-profit, and across the various uh, subsectors of um, the green economy. I will say again, um, if you're unsure as to which program you're eligible for, reach out to both, apply to both. I mean, we're constantly in communication. You can't tell we're all friends, right? And so the success of the program is paramount and we're passing um, applicants back and forth and host companies back and forth, right? So if you feel like you're a fit, but you're not sure on in which track, reach out to both of us, both tracks. I think this is going to be the last question, but this is a good one, and it hasn't been asked um, before. What is, what support is uh, what support is Ida and Kupu providing to employers um, and interns during this duration of the program? So on the Ida side, um, we have organizations uh, working with the participant and the host companies throughout the entirety of the program. Every single week we're meeting um, as a group. We're building community with the participants and with the host companies. We're making sure that any hurdles or obstacles are removed so that this can be as streamlined and as, as smooth a process and experience as possible for the participant. Again, I wanna reiterate the participant is the core focus of this program. And so on the EDA side, anything, any type of support structure within reason that is needed to, to provide them with that valuable experience and that on-the-job training and learning opportunity, we're providing it. In addition, we're doing these Microsoft trainings with the partnership that OEDB has with, uh, with Microsoft. We're doing the Higher Skills Academy training for those that are interested in that as well with, with Uncle Pono Shim. Um, there's, there's many things that we're, we're layering into it but at the same time, um, do, trying to do it in a fashion that is supportive and not overwhelming. Yeah, very similar for Kupu. You know, this is, this is certainly um, something that the participants are gonna earn. They're gonna work hard for their wage. 
their health insurance and, and the experience, right? They're going to work hard um, going through the trainings and certifications and other types of upskilling. None of this will be easy and none of it will be done for them, but there will be people to help them along the way. Um, one of the benefits for Kupu uh, is that we have this, this history and this culture that we've built in our organization that's focused on youth development because that's how we've got started. That's the core of what we do. And we apply that kind of support and developmental lens to how we'll be running this program. So in addition to um, any Kupu Aina Corps participant getting to meet their supervisor, their coworkers, uh, they'll, they'll also be interacting with Kupu Aina Corps staff, um, a number of whom have been part of our organization for quite some time and, and bring that experience and that developmental lens that's so important to all of this. The last thing I'll add, again, back to the Microsoft training, that's available for anyone, people that are placed in the program and, and people who apply, but for whatever reason are not able to, um, to, to join the program. And the, the Microsoft training is cool. At first I was like, ah, Word and Excel, like a lot of us know that, but a lot of us also don't. But they're also helping with resume building for those that don't remember or, or didn't realize Microsoft also owns LinkedIn. So they're helping with LinkedIn training and setting up a profile there and putting all your, your job information and applying to jobs through LinkedIn. So it's a really valuable opportunity uh, for those that are interested. Okay. Thank you, you both. Um, and thanks for everyone for joining us today. I think um, we're just about uh, out of time. Um, I just wanted to make a couple of announcements. Um, one, uh, for those of you, oh, we will be, we'll be sending out an email uh, with links to our websites after to all the participants um, that listen today. Um, we're looking for another time to do another webinar um, sometime next week, so look out for an announcement on that. And to all of you who joined us from our PPP webinars, um, the Save Hawaii Jobs and Businesses group, um, we are uh, we have been getting a lot of questions and a lot of requests to hold another um, PPP update. So we are we have um, scheduled uh, a, a follow-up webinar on October first at two p.m. So we will be sending an invite out for that uh, as well. But thank you everyone for, for joining us today and hope uh, you found this information valuable. And uh, yeah, definitely um, go to our websites and apply and uh, if you're interested as a host company or as a participant. But thanks everyone. <laughs>